Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done on earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done on earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us, forgive us, as we forgive the ones who sinned against us. Forgive them and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let your kingdom come. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done on earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us, forgive us, as we forgive the ones who sin against us. Forgive them and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let your kingdom come. It's yours, it's yours, all yours, all yours. The kingdom, the power, the glory are yours. It's yours, it's yours, all Let your kingdom come, Father, let your will be done, on earth as in heaven, right here in my heart, on earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Worship at Fusion this morning. We're so glad that you've joined us. At this time, we invite you to stand up and greet one another with the peace of Christ. Hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 8. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Amen. Let's sing praises to our Lord this morning.
Jesus, we need you now. Come, have your way in this place. Break our walls down. Spirit of God, pour out hunter that's in heaven. Jesus, we need you now.
you may be seated. Good morning, everyone. So good to be worshiping with all of you. Um, Happy Father's Day. And today we celebrate that we serve a good, good father, don't we? And that is our focus today. We love our earthly daddies, don't we? But what a joy to be able to come together and just worship and celebrate our good, good father. Let's begin our time of prayer from words from Psalm 71. Since my youth, God, you have taught me. To this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me. Till I declare your power to the next generation and your mighty acts to all who are to come. Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things. Who is like you, God? I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, my God, and I will sing praise to you with the lyre, Holy One of Israel. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Today, help us to really know you, to bless you, to worship you, and to praise you for all of your works and for all that shines forth from them, your almighty power and your wisdom, your kindness, your justice, your mercy, your compassion, and your truth. May your name be praised in our workplace, in our churches, our communities, and all the summer activities that we now find ourselves in. We also consider it a privilege to give testimony to your greatness across this land and throughout the world. Through the team who just returned from Honduras, to the team currently serving in Roseland, Chicago, and to those who are hiking the Appalachian Trail experiencing your heavenly majesty and breathless creation right here on planet Earth. Today, too, we also recognize our earthly fathers, those who raised us, whether it be our biological dads, our granddad, our uncle, a stepdad, foster dad, maybe just a special friend. And for some, this is a very tender day. Maybe having lost their dad this past year, having been in a strained relationship, We would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that this day can be painful for some. Thank you for our role models who have guided us and taught us. They've let us fail when we've needed to and ultimately showed compassion and tenderness, wisdom and strength like none other. And today, by your mercy, we can all claim that none of us here is truly fatherless as we shout how great Thou art. May the way that we live our lives, our words that flow from our lips, bring blessing and honor to you, our Father who art in heaven. And your kingdom come. Give us your word and spirit in such a way that more and more we rely on you. Keep the church strong as we face numerous battles plaguing our culture today. Help us to defy the enemy's tactics as he seeks to add division and distrust everywhere that we turn. Do this until your earth is fully restored, until your kingdom is complete and perfect. 
and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help us to reject our own desires and to obey your will without reservation. Help each person, regardless of age, race, economic status, and so on. Help us to carry out the work that you have called us to, willingly and faithfully and with joy in a world that is deeply hurting. May we be your glowing light in the darkness and give us our daily bread. We lay before you our physical, our mental, and our emotional, and our spiritual needs. You are the only source of anything good, and neither our work nor our worry can ever change that. So many within our community are struggling against sickness and grief, financial struggles, and loneliness. In fact, there probably isn't a person here today who is not facing some sort of trial. As we strive to support and be patient with each other, help us to give up our trust in the things of this world and to rely solely on you. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Because of your blood, Christ, do not hold anything against us as flawed as we are. The sin and the evil that entices us. Forgive us fully by your grace and help us to gently and wholly forgive those who have offended us. This is your good and perfect will for us. It always has been. There is something wonderful that happens when we let go of the burdens of revenge and regret and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. By ourselves, we are too weak to hold our own, even for a moment. The enemy of this world constantly bombards us with fear, discouragement, disease, corruption, and our own failures. Lord, uphold us and make us resilient through the strength of the Holy Spirit so we don't fall victim to the spiritual struggle of worry and anxiousness. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We have laid these requests before you today are to our Father of our children, Father of your children. You not only want to, but you are able to give us abundantly more than we could ever ask. And so with confidence in a grateful heart, we release these prayers in your sovereign hands. Bless our Father who art in heaven and praise his holy name forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Kiddos, yeah, if you would like to stand up and head on over to the door. I should have done that before the prayer, but it's okay. We like you praying with us as well. So head on over to the door, and we're going to do the greeting with you. Let's see if the adults remember it. I know the kids do. I realized I stood up when you said kiddos. Oh, I know. Well, there you go. I, well, you are kind of a big kid. You are kind of, I hope we all are in some way. We all are. All right. <laughs> You're a big kid? Yeah? What's that? I didn't hear you. What'd you say? Okay. <laughs> let's, do our, let's do our greeting, shall we? Ready? The Lord be with you. Amen, amen. Have a great time downstairs. All right, amen. All right. We could talk after, Todd. That would be great. You want to, after the service, we'll sing together, right, Ted?
That'd be good. That's right. Awesome. Awesome. You betcha. Thank you, Pastor Marion. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, it, is, uh, it is awesome to be together. My name is Pastor JB. If we haven't met, would love that opportunity. It's summer in West Michigan. What a beautiful morning. Amen. Amen. And I, as I understand, it's going to get a little warmer uh, as summer in West Michigan. Do I say amen to that? We ready for some beach weather? Absolutely. Uh, just, a, just a heads up, um, we are going to be heading off on, on our family vacation this week. Uh, we're going to be visiting Yvonne's family every year. We spend a couple weeks in California to be with family, extended family, and so just a heads up there. Uh, but there's a lot of really amazing things happening. Uh, in, in Pastor Mary's prayer, she already mentioned some of those things, but just to give you a heads up of a couple of things happening, uh, tomorrow we've been doing these things called Hardaway Get-Togethers. Uh, if, if you're visiting here, uh, Hardaway, it's three worshiping communities, one church, and so we look for these opportunities to gather with the other worshiping communities. And, uh, and so Hardaway get-togethers, third Mondays during the summer, we'll be at State Park with some coffee. And, uh, and so check that out. Also, Hardaway, there it is, there's the, the slide. And so check that out. These were on before the service as well. Uh, also then in July, another opportunity to, to gather together, Hardaway campouts. Now, those are Saturday nights. The idea here is you get to camp out in, in the back lot there, have a bonfire, come to church, and be received in grace in all your camping glory, okay? Uh, it's, it's, an, it's an awesome time, but if you don't want to camp out, that's totally fine. Uh, there is a bonfire. Just come for the bonfire games. That's July 8th, so that's in a few weeks. And then finally, the last one is uh, not next week, but in two weeks, we're going to have another combined worship service uh, in, the, in the green space by the pavilion. Uh, that's July 2 at 9.30, so make a note of that time. The idea is we want to get going a little bit earlier uh, because we're anticipating some warmer temperatures, but that's just been an awesome time to worship with the broader, the whole heart awake family. I also want to just cue you into some of the opportunities that we've been offering this summer. We're in a series on the Lord's Prayer, and so we've been wanting to offer these opportunities for us to, to pray and to create space in our lives for prayer. Uh, so one of those spaces is Tuesday mornings in the sanctuary. It's just a quiet place with some soft music, just, just to there's something about being intentional about designating a space. And so I uh, just invite you to come to that 7 to 9-ish, maybe 10. Feel free to come, enjoy that space. Uh, also, after the service today, we've been kind of pairing this with communion. We're going to be offering prayer. So for anyone who wants to receive the gift of prayer, uh, Pastor Mary and I will be up front and we will would love to receive you and pray with you or for you. If you just want to praise God, we would love that opportunity as well. After the service, uh, please see that opportunity. And then also uh, on Sundays before the service from 9 to 10, there's a group meeting for Bible study and prayer in the basement just down those stairs. You can't miss it. There's amazing opportunities to not only learn about prayer, but to step into the practice of prayer. Uh, if you need to pray more in your life, I'm just going to raise my hand, double hand, right? This is a gift that I just take for granted. And so these are just this is my heart and uh, my growth area, and I'm hoping that uh, we all can kind of do that together. But let's jump in this morning. Uh, again, we're a three-week summer series uh, titled Teach Us to Pray. Uh, our hope in this series is to slow down, methodically work our way through the prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray, the Lord's 
prayer. And again, our hope in this series is to rediscover the beauty and the power of these words as a way of approaching God in prayer, both as a, as a model and a guide. Pastor Mary showed us how it can be this beautiful model for all of our prayers. But it's also something that is worth, and the church has been doing, reciting this prayer together as the community of faith. Last week, we considered uh, the first two words of this opening address. The prayer opens with an address to God. We remembered last week, our Father, right? And we remember the incredible good news of the gospel, which tells us that in Christ, we become children of God, daughters and sons of the living God, and that God loves us perfectly and fully. We learned that last week. This week, we consider the second part of that opening address, our Father in heaven. And so we under, we're going to be studying what does this mean that our Father, a God, is in heaven. We'll consider what these words mean and what they teach us about who God is. Uh, but we're also going to uh, notice that these two ideas, in a way, balance each other. That God is, is our Father, who loves us fully and completely, and our God is in heaven. He's all-powerful. He's, he's sovereign. He's able to do all that we ask and even beyond, more than we ask and more than we imagine. And both of these truths in this address are profoundly true. And, and that there's something amazing about that. And so we're going to, these last week's sermon, this week's sermon, they're kind, they tie together. And again, uh, we're doing something a little different as we enter into our time of scripture reading this morning. Uh, we're using the words of the Lord's Prayer taken from Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Now, as we experienced that last week, uh, Pastor Sarah and I were just talking, and, and, and it almost feels different because the words um, on the screen are a little different than the words many of us memorized. And so you're maybe, maybe you had this experience too where you're like wanting to say some other words. And, and we were like, what do we do with that? Well, we're going to embrace that difference. In fact, in the weeks ahead, we might use some different translations to kind of get out of the familiarity to embrace the power of these words. But we're still going to do that. So if you're willing, if you're able, I invite you to stand. We're gonna, I'm going to read that opening line. This then is how you should pray. And then I'd invite you to join with me as we read from God's word, but as we also join our hearts in prayer, these words of the Lord's Prayer. This then is how you should pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Join me in a word of prayer. Lord, we continue praying these words that we just prayed together. Lord, our hearts continue to pray and to look to you, Lord, to open our hearts, open our minds, open our, our spirits, Lord, to your spirit and to your truth. So that, Lord, in, in hearing and studying your word and what does it mean that, that you are our Father in heaven, Lord, that we would learn something about you and something about your your posture to this world and to our lives. We pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and God's people say together, amen, amen. Just a quick question. Uh, what, don't, you don't have to answer this out loud, but just think for, with me for a moment. What comes to mind when you hear the word heaven? 
what images maybe come to mind? What, what maybe in your heart, your mind, do you, do you envision when, when someone says the word heaven? Now, if you were here just a few weeks ago as we concluded our, our series on the, on the story, we studied Revelation 21 and 22. So some of you might actually be envisioning this new garden city that's a perfect cube with a tree of life and this river flowing. In fact, one of the young people uh, did this project and, and drew that picture, a picture of Revelation 21 and 22 uh, as he envisioned that image, that vision of John. So maybe that comes to mind. But think about what, what stereotypically comes to mind when you think of, of heaven. Uh, this week I did a little bit of a, a, an experiment. I, I typed heaven into uh, Google Images as well as, as Bing, these kind of image search engines on uh, the interwebs, the internet, yeah. And so I, I searched heaven on Google Images, and these are some of the images that came up. Um, and so this is kind of just a general, um, this is the kind of the algorithm, what, what does Google send my way? Uh, and, and you have a lot of images of clouds and kind of these stairways going toward a light. In some images, there's kind of a gate. Other, other, other depictions had a, a dove or a cross. Uh, in one of them, then kind of this mountain scene. And that one was, I kind of like the mountain scene with the, uh, with the sunset. Then you'll see on the, on the right side there, I did something else just kind of for fun, and I, and I entered, have you been hearing a lot about AI? It's a little, little, little scary, a little bit, kind of freaky, but I, I typed in an AI image generator. What, what, what would the AI come up with, uh, artificial intelligence, if I put heaven? And uh, when I put heaven, they just gave me clouds. And so the AI just gave me pictures of clouds with a light. And then I kind of went a little further and I said, heavens, got kind of the same thing. And then I went to in heaven and uh, then it got kind of weird. Uh, they don't do well with like faces and stuff. So anyway, there was kind of this old couple in a, in a flower field. Anyway, it got kind of weird. But, but that's kind of interesting. Then I kind of, I, I really went down a rabbit hole here, okay? Uh, so then I, I kept going and then I, I just started exploring, well, how is heaven... And how is God in heaven depicted in, in movies, right? And so here are some of the, the more well-known. Uh, on the upper left, there's Morgan Freeman. Does anyone know that movie? The Bruce Almighty or Evan Almighty. That's kind of a, a, a depiction of, of God in heaven. And then uh, Hollywood depicts, that's uh, Patrick Swayze. Do you know that movie? You're like, yeah, why are you? Anyway, that's Ghost, I think. Is that Ghost? Yeah, ghost, and so this kind of colorful light, right? These images of lights. And then on the right side, uh, the other kind of thing that came up when, with, with uh, Hollywood movies was the depictions of really Greek mythology. And so you kind of have this pantheon of the Greek gods and goddesses and the clouds overlooking the earth, and, and that's from like Percy Jackson or Her you know, like all these different p depictions. And as I was just exploring all of these different depictions, now some grace here, we're, we're trying to imagine what really can't be put into words, what we really can't define. I mean, heaven is more and beyond all these things. And so these images are, there, there's something about that. But it got me thinking as we think about images and what we envision when we think of in heaven, what has a greater influence on, on what comes to mind, my image of heaven? Is it the scriptures and what the Bibles teach? Is, is that the predominant images that come into my mind, like a, a vision of Revelation 21 and 22, for example? Or is it, is it something else? Is it, is it pop culture's depictions of heaven? Does that have a greater influence? Or even Greek mythology, for that matter. What has a stronger influence on what I envision when I think of heaven? 
And this morning, as we consider what this phrase means in the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, or, or as many of us memorized it, who art in heaven, and, okay, dad joke, there is art in heaven, okay? Um, there is art in heaven, anyway. Dad jokes, it's appropriate, right? Okay, who is in heaven. Um, we begin looking at what, the, what does the Bible mean when the Bible uses this phrase, in heaven. And, 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 and what we discover, particularly even just from Matthew chapter 6, is that it, it might not be the same thing that we're actually coming to mind. It might be not exactly what we might think. And the first thing that starts to give it away is right here in Matthew 6, verse 9, uh, the word for heaven, I don't know if you, you don't see this in, in the English translation, but the Greek word for heaven is actually plural. So when, 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 when the Greek says, our Father in heaven, literally it it's tra- would be translated, our Father in the heavens. And for us, that's a little curious, but that begins to help us understand and step into how the ancient uh, Israelites and the ancient early Christians viewed heaven. The Greek word for heaven, a little word study, is arenos. And, and oftentimes, heaven, even in the Greek New Testament, oftentimes, oftentimes it's, it's plural, as here in Matthew 6, verse 9, our Father in the heavens. Now, the, the, the same English word for heavens, if we go to the Hebrew, it is the Hebrew word shemaim. That's kind of a fun one. You want to say that with me? Shemaim? Shemaim. Yeah, we're speaking Hebrew. Shemaim. Uh, and the word in the Hebrew, shemaim, that ending im, means it's always plural. So, so heaven in the Hebrew is always in the plural. Now, again, a little trivia. Maybe this is a dad thing too. Uh, but did you know that there's some English words that are always in the plural? Uh, there's, there's a handful of English words. Is, do you know any of them? Uh, which, got one? Deer. Yeah, deer is an interesting one. It's like singular and plural. Uh, how about what you wear on your face? Glasses. So anything that starts with a pair of glasses, pants, you don't wear a pant, you wear pants, right? Um, uh, another example, um, where's my other one? Oh, scissors. Scissors is another example. There's no scissor. Uh, it's always scissors. Uh, this is just random trivia. It has nothing to do with the sermon, but it's kind of fun. Uh, my favorite one is uh, shenanigans. Shenanigans, yeah. You can't have a shenanigan. It's always shenanigans. Anyway, tell you, that's not, it doesn't have to anything. Anyway, it's just fun. Okay, so English words that are in the plural. That's kind of fun. Uh, But in the ancient Hebrew and Greek language, uh, why is heaven in the plural? Now, this partly has to do uh, with with the fact that that the same word refers to multiple places, okay? Multiple places. The same word refers to not just the place beyond the clouds, but the same word shemaim actually refers to the place with clouds, meaning the sky. So they would say shemaim, that is the sky, right? Not only that, but in Genesis 1, by the way, Genesis 1 is the first place heaven, Shemayim is used. In the, beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens, right? Heavens and the earth, so we, we, we see that. Um, but in, in Genesis 1, not only is Shemayim described uh, where the sky, where the birds live, uh, but, but Shemayim also describes uh, the firmament or the expanse of the Shemayim, exp- uh, describes the, the dome where the lights dwell. So the sun, moon, and stars uh, in the ancient cosmology, that's, Shema, that's Shemaim, that's the heavens. So the heavens where the birds live, the heavens where the skies dwell, and then the place where God lives beyond the stars is also Shemaim, right? Heavens. Now, 
This begins to help us see that the Hebrew people, how they would see and understand the world, the cosmos, the universe that they lived. A little ancient understanding of the cosmos. You have to remember... Many of the things that we know about this, the earth and that's round and the solar system and the universe, these are modern discoveries, right? And so the ancient people wouldn't have understood the, the, the universe as we understand it today. The Bible's written thousands of years ago, well before humanity had any scientific grasp of planets, stars, solar systems, etc. And if science is the study of what can be observed, tested, and proven, Right, then the ancient people developed an understanding of the world based on what they could observe, test, and prove without scientific instruments, right? And so if you're an ancient person and, and it begins to rain and water is falling from the sky, well, there must be water up there, right? They don't have an understanding of evaporation and, con and all those things, right? Or if you dig into the earth and you get to water, well, there must be water underneath the earth. And so this is a, a, an ancient understanding of how the earth and the world was formed and structured. And part of that, that's, that's a long discussion. But this gets to kind of the understanding of the heavens. That the heavens, there were kind of a three-layer view of the heavens. The first heavens is where the birds flew. The second heavens is where the lights dwelt, right? The sun, moon, and stars, because that's what they could see in this, this dome. And then beyond that was God's space, which is really what we typically refer to as heaven. Now, an interesting side note, in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2, th 2 and 3, Paul actually refers to being caught up in the third heavens. And you're like, what is, what is Paul talking about? Well, step back into that context. Now you understand that what he's talking about in 2 Corinthians 12 is being caught up in God's space, the third heavens. Now here's the modern challenge. And, and by the way, uh, when we understand the context, like this is why context is so important because when we understand, this, this doesn't mean that God didn't understand how the world was made, like he made the world, like he understood exactly what we see, but he's stepping into a context to make himself known to a people who are living in that context, right? In the same way, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bring a calculus teacher and a calculus textbook to my preschoolers class, right? God's, God's going to accommodate, he's always meeting us where we're at. So here's the modern challenge though with that. The modern challenge is this, is that as we've been able to discover and observe the world in further detail and also further and farther distances, we understand how vast is our solar system, how vast is our universe, and the bigger understanding of our world and universe has gotten, if God lives beyond the stars, that has pushed God further and further away in our kind of cosmology, right? Do you see that challenge? But for the ancient people, in the biblical imagination, understanding of how the world was formed, heaven was not some place that was light years away. No, heaven was where the birds lived. The heavens is where, right up in the expanse, and, and God was just beyond. God was not far away in a different place. Heaven was not a distant, distant place. It was just a, simply a different plane of existence. The biblical understanding of heaven is not some far-off, ethereal place completely separate and disconnected from the earth. Heaven, in the biblical understanding, is a place that's near. Heaven is, is, is a different plane of existence, a different dimension of sorts, uh, the, the third heaven. But it's not a, a distant place, it's near. Just like two parallel lines that are on different planes or two different planes can actually be very close together and even at times maybe overlap. We're going to talk about that. They don't need to be far away. Are you with me? 
Heaven isn't a distant place, it's a different plane. Uh, In fact, Dallas Willard in his brilliant book, Divine Conspiracy, sums this up with this quote on page 257. He says, unfortunately, he's talking about the Lord's Prayer here. Unfortunately, the old standard formulation, our Father who art in heaven, has come to mean our Father who is far away and much later. The meaning of the plural heavens, which is erroneously omitted in most translations, see God present as far out as as imaginable, but also right down in the atmosphere around our heads, which is the first of the heavens. The omission of the plural robs the wording in the model prayer of the sense Jesus intended. The sense is that our Father is always near us. Now, that's not something how I've always envisioned it. Uh, if you've been, we've, we have this resource by J.I. Packer. Uh, he writes it this way. He says, when the creator is said to be in heaven, the thought is that he exists on a different plane from us rather than a different place. That God in heaven is always near his children on earth is something that the Bible takes for granted throughout. So again, the challenge for us as moderns, we, we think that heaven is some distant place, but, but the biblical understanding, heaven is not far away. It is, it is near Kind of like two planes. Let's continue. Uh, Are you with me? Does that make sense? Hopefully a little bit. You can email me if you have questions. Did I just invite emails? Okay, I did. Okay, you can do that. I'd love to have conversation or we can have coffee. But this understanding of heaven is incredibly important. That heaven is not some distant place, but it's actually near. It's, it's informed by the scriptures. Because the deists would believe that God is distant, right? That God is, is just this being far off that kind of sets the world up to kind of unwind as it may. But the, that is not what the Bible teaches. In fact, the scriptures are consistent that the heavens permeate the earth. That, that God in heaven permeates and his power permeates and enters this world. We could point to countless scripture passages that, that speak to God's deep involvement in his created world. God is deeply involved in the creation. Right In Genesis 1, God speaks the, word, the world into being. Genesis 2, we have this account of God forming Adam and Eve out of the dirt, out of the dust. Like It is, a, it is an intimate and involved process. And even after God created the heavens and the earth, God did not disappear, but we have these accounts of he remained present and near walking in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve in the garden. Even after the fall, the language of scripture points to a God who's not far away and distant. In fact, when God is described in heaven, it's it's more like he's from a high vantage point so that he can see all of his creation. An example is is Psalm 33. We read this, uh, from heaven, the Lord looks down to see all mankind. From his dwelling place up above, right, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the heart of all, who considers everything they do. This heaven as, as, a, as a place is from this high vantage point, much like, uh, have you been in the National Forest and you've ever seen uh, one of the fire towers? And the whole idea is you get from a high vantage point, not so that you can disconnect from the forest, no, so that you can see the forest and see exactly what's happening. Similar idea here. God is up above so that he can see this world that he loves and he is deeply connected with. So the place of heaven that that also speaks of God's power, his sovereignty, and that's consistent in scriptures. He's almighty, he's powerful, he's he's providential and sovereign, but it's not from a distance. It's this power that permeates the creation, permeates the earth. When we pray in heaven, we proclaim something about the power of God, that God is almighty and powerful. He is the creator of all that we see and know. He's the sustainer of this world, and his power and sovereignty is not distant, 
but is experienced here in this physical world. We could point to countless scriptures and examples in the scriptures of God's power entering into the created world. Uh, One of my favorite is Psalm 139. It's one of my favorite Psalms. Psalm 139, uh, just look at how it, how it tells us about who God is uh, as you break it down. The first section, Psalm 1, uh, 30, 139, 1 through 6, just the first couple of verses, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I, when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. This speaks of God's knowledge, that God is all-knowing. Uh, the theological term, right, omniscient, right? God is all-knowing. This tells us something about who God is. Go, jumping to verse seven, tells us something about God's presence. Where, it, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Uh, we, the, God is, is everywhere at all at once. God is omnipresent, right? It tells us something about God's presence and then finally something about God's power. Verse 13, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Psalm 139 lays out that God is all-knowing. He is, he is all, he's present everywhere and he's all-powerful these beautiful attributes of God, all of which are, we speak into and we say our Father in heaven. But it's not some distant thing. It is something that permeates, God's power permeates this earth. And here's the thing. We're kind of we're moving from this misunderstanding of heaven and we are moving closer and closer in proximity. God's power permeates the earth. And in the scriptures, what we see is that there are these specific places and spaces where that distance between heaven and earth is a little closer. Some might describe them as, as thin places, but where heaven and earth overlap in a unique and powerful way. This was first experienced in the Garden of Eden where, where heaven and earth were united in this beautiful space, where we're perfectly united in the Garden of Eden. Uh, but then sin came and there was a separation because God is holy and, and, and sin could not you know, be in the same space. And so the, but the, throughout the biblical account, there are these places and spaces where that distance between heaven and earth overlap, things like the temple. Let's talk a little bit about the temple as we move God's power and presence closer and closer. If you remember from the story series, remember the temple was built, uh, even before the temple was built, God met with Moses on Mount Sinai in Exodus 19, and God's presence was represented with fire and smoke and clouds, right? Uh, Then Moses gets the blueprints for building the tabernacle, which was this tent structure, this portable house of God in Exodus 25 through 31. The the tent, the the tabernacle is constructed, and then God's presence fills the tabernacle, again, symbolized in fire and smoke and cloud in, in Exodus 40. And the tabernacle serves as this localized presence, uh, place of God's presence that moves with the people as they wander through the wilderness until King Solomon builds a temple, a permanent house, dwelling place of God in the city of Jerusalem. And after King Solomon builds the temple, God's presence fills the temple with what? Fire and smoke and cloud, right? The temple was where you knew there was this thin place where heaven and earth overlapped. It was a place of intersection between these two planes, a place where heaven and earth intersected, right? There was an intersection. And in Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet Isaiah has this vision of God's presence in the temple. And, And he writes this, I saw the Lord high and exalted. 
Just imagine this. Isaiah walking into the temple, he sees this vision of God, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe fills the temple. The temple is this massive structure, and just the bottom part of God's robe fills the temple, giving us an, an, a vision of the scope of God's power, but his presence. And there are these creatures flying around singing, holy, holy, holy. And then the, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke, a symbol of God's presence, right? Now, later on in Isaiah 66, the prophet would build off this vision and describe heaven as God's throne and the earth as God's footstool in Isaiah 66. Let's look at that. Oh, oh of course, then I'm, okay, there it is. Heaven is my throne, says the Lord. The earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? Where is my resting place, right? Heaven is God's throne. The earth is his footstool. He is not separate. He's not distant. There are these intersections of heaven and earth. See, for the ancient Jewish person living in Jerusalem, not only would they say God is near, but they would point to the temple and say God is here, right? That is where God dwells. Heaven is not far away. God is not far away. God is right there, and they would point to a physical location in the city of Jerusalem, the temple on top of the mountain. God's presence moving closer. And of course, as Christians, we believe in Jesus, right? And Jesus comes on the scene and changes our whole paradigm in many ways because Jesus is the presence of God and, he, and God would perfectly dwell right here on earth and walk among the people. Not only, now God, not just present in a temple, but God, Jesus would become the temple of God, would be the new place, the new place of intersection would be in a person, Jesus Christ. No, no longer resigned to a geographic location, but in flesh and blood, walking with his disciples and walking among the people here on earth. The person of Jesus Christ becoming the perfect presence of God. Jesus in the Gospels functions as the new temple. And, and John's Gospel opens up with this imagery saturated throughout John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jumping ahead to verse 14, we've, we studied this the last couple weeks. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling. Remember that? That is the word tabernacle. He tabernacled among us. That's temple language, right? And then actually, fast forward, he calls some of his first disciples, and in John chapter 1, verse 51, he's drawing on this imagery um, from, from Genesis 28. Uh, Jacob has this image at Bethel, um, we sometimes called Jacob's ladder, but there's this stairway going up to heaven, and he sees angels ascending and descending. That's what Jesus is drawing on here in John 1, 51, when he says, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascend, ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What is Jesus saying? What is Jesus declaring? Right here in chapter one of John's gospel is that Jesus is saying that I, Jesus is the point where heaven and earth come together. And so when we pray, in, we pray to a God in heaven, that, that, that God has come down in the person of Jesus Christ, his son. And Jesus has done all that's required for the union of heaven and earth, creator with his creation, to be fully restored, fully reunited in his death and resurrection. That is, that is, that is the beauty of the gospel, that the veil in the temple, the, the dividing veil has been torn, that heaven and earth have come together in Jesus Christ. And the scriptural witness is this of God in heaven moving toward his creation throughout. 
moving toward those he loves uh, in his power in ways that are broad and beyond explanation, but then in the temple and the tabernacle, and then finally in Jesus Christ, God dwelling among his people. And here's the beautiful thing that this means for us today. One of the most beautiful realities about this good news of the gospel is that Christ now dwells in us. Just a few weeks ago, we studied John chapter 15, and we remember that that Christ and the Spirit lives in us, and we live this union with Christ. God's presence in Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit dwells in the people of God. We are the dwelling place of God. In fact, Paul will, will use temple imagery. There's a lot of images for, for the church, right, the body of Christ, but one of the images is that the, 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 the body of Christ, the church of Christ, is the new temple. And, and Paul in 1 Corinthians uh, uses this imagery of, a, of, a, of God's temple to refer to the church. So we as, as the body, as a community, we are, we are the temple of God. And that has implications. That's, that's significant, right? Because God's presence dwells in us together as a community. But Paul takes it a step further and says that even as individuals, saying that our bodies are a temple because the Spirit lives in each and every one of us. It's a profound mystery, but a beautiful, profound truth of the gospel that Jesus lives in us, that God dwells in us, that heaven is not some distant place, but actually heaven in that way dwells right here on earth among God's people and through God's people and in God's people. God's power is not distant and unavailable. It is near and available. And when we pray, our Father in heaven, that reality of God's love and God's power that is here is all tied up in those four simple words. Our Father in heaven. Heaven is not some faraway, disconnected place where God can remain untouched by humanity and his creation as, as Hollywood sometimes portrays. Nor is, is God some distant and angry being annoyed by the things that, that, that he has made, as the deists might suggest. No, God, the Father Almighty, is all-powerful, all-knowing, sovereign God, but he's also the one who moves toward his creation in love and grace revealing himself in his son, Jesus Christ, who took on human flesh and blood and even today reveals himself in in the common everyday things of a bunch of broken people like us as well as everyday elements like bread and juice. God's power, God's love is revealed. And so friends, in just a few moments, we we are gonna gather at this table and we're gonna remember that Jesus Christ made a way for all this to be possible. By offering his own life, willingly dying a brutal death on the cross and then conquering death, he opened the way for the presence of God to be fully present in ways that we can't even put into words. This is the good news of the gospel, that God Almighty sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that we might have life in him and by him and through him, now and forevermore. Let's offer a word of prayer. Will you join me? Lord, we are 
we are humbled with gratitude. As we think about the scope of the scriptures and this, this story that testifies to your goodness, Lord, Lord, that you are a God who created the heavens and the earth, that, that you, are, you are a God who stepped into the brokenness of this world in Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we come to the table, may you remind us once again of the good news of this gospel, that Lord, you made a way that heaven and earth could come together in your son, Jesus Christ, and now that reality is available to us. So Lord, as we partake in the bread, as we partake in the cup, may we be reminded of the grace of Jesus Christ that makes this reality possible. We pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. So this morning, as we have communion, a few helpful notes. You may come forward, take a piece of the bread, take a cup, and partake as you are forward. There are some trash cans on the side as well. For those who need or prefer gluten-free, there are options for that in the back. And as well, if helpful, feel free to raise your hand and someone can come and serve you as needed. So as we come to this table of remembrance, communion, and hope, please pray with me one more time. Holy God, we come before this table mindful that we are sinful beings in need of hope that is only found in you. We thank you for the abundant grace that you provide through your life, death, and resurrection. Guide us by your Holy Spirit as we come to your table. In Jesus' name, amen. At the Last Supper, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. So whenever we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we are reminded that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. This table is for all who believe in the Lord Jesus as Savior and desire to live in obedience for him. So come, servers, come forward, and once they're all in place, feel free to come before all things are ready.
So this is a little bit different than we normally do things. I normally don't teach new songs at the end of the service, and especially not right after communion. However, if you were here earlier, we did this song as you were walking in. And it might be a little familiar anyway. So here we go. Feel free to stand up as willing and able, and um, feel free to sing along when you're ready. Father, Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done on earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. So repeat that, Father. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done on earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us, forgive us, as we forgive the ones who sinned against us. Forgive them, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let your kingdom come, Father, let your kingdom come. Against us, 
and eat some donuts or something. It will be in your head all day, not sorry. <laughs> and I'm sorry for whatever that was. I don't, anyway, God is good, God is gracious, God is kind, and God is all-powerful. And so when we pray, our Father in heaven, four words signify something profound, that God is almighty and all-powerful and sovereign, that God is able to do all that we ask him to do and even beyond what we ask and our God is a perfect, loving Father who knows exactly what we need and wants to give good gifts to his children when they ask. Amen? That's the profound truth of these first four words. We're only four words in to this prayer Jesus taught us to pray. And we are going to do some donuts. We are going to do some coffee. We're going to have some fellowship. But, but, but if you want to call on God and you want to pray, and you want people to call on God with you, Pastor Mary and I are going to be up here uh, right after this moment. Come forward, experience God's grace in prayer. But as you go from here, receive God's blessing. May the, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father Almighty, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. It's yours, it's yours, all yours, all yours. The kingdom, the power, the glory are yours. It's yours, it's yours, all yours, all yours. Forever and ever, the kingdom is yours. It's yours, it's yours, all yours. All yours, the kingdom, the power, the glory are yours. It's yours, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours. all yours, all yours, all yours. All yours. All yours. 
let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done on earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done on earth as in heaven, right here in my heart. On earth as in heaven, right here in my heart.